Hebrews 13, we read verses 15 through to 19. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. There is here in verse 15 another one of those let us expressions. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. This is the exhortation to the saints, to godly living and to faith and trust and obedience based on the doctrine. Paul gives much attention to doctrine and from time to time he says, let us therefore, on the grounds of all of this, let us. In this text that I read, I suggest to you that the key word is the word sacrifice. You notice that it occurs there in verse 15. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise. And then in verse 16, at the end, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So perhaps that's the word to underline because it occurs a couple of occasions. It occurs in the singular, verse 15, sacrifice. And then it occurs in the plural, in verse 16, sacrifices. And this verb that is attached with sacrifices, offering, let us offer sacrifices. So we're speaking about sacrifices tonight. Now Paul has spoken long in his homily. This is what we call Hebrews, a kind of a homily. And he's spoken long and he's waxed eloquent on the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The once for all offering, the only sacrifice for sin. And that has been his major theme in this epistle. The blood of Christ, the atoning work, the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ has offered as our great high priest on our behalf. That's the major theme. And of course, he is our altar. He said that there in this chapter. We have an altar and Christ is at that altar. In verse 10, we have to think of this word, therefore. So that's attaching us with what before. So we can't totally separate it from what we have already studied. Christ has been sacrificed. He's sanctified the people with his own blood. He suffered without the gate. We're going forth unto him. What kind of spirit should we be going forth unto him with? What should we be doing whenever we go forth unto him? Are we just going to go forth unto him and leave him? And go back in again into the camp? No, we are to be pilgrims 
who go forth unto him to stay with him, to be with him, with what used to make of him. And this is what he's bringing us to now. By him, verse 15. By him, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. So we've turned our back on Judaism. We've turned our back on the ritual of of the tabernacle and the temple. We've turned our back on blood offerings. We don't need these anymore. Does that mean we don't have any offerings? Does that mean we don't involve ourselves in any kind of sacrifices? No. In regard to the sacrifices for sin, they're all ceased. But we have other offerings and sacrifices to work and to to offer unto God through Christ. Just because the camp's behind our back, just because the tabernacle's behind us, just because we've left all of that and we've gone out to this one who was sacrificed without the camp, whose blood was shed and brought into the sanctuary, that doesn't mean we have no service. That doesn't mean we have no sacrifice. It just means our service and sacrifice is not in the tabernacle. Not in the camp of Moses. It's not in the camp where that tent was or the temple was. It's no more there. We have nothing to do now with the offerings and the sacrifices of Judaism. It's behind our back. And let us go forth therefore unto him. By him. Therefore. Let us offer these new sacrifices. To God. Continually. So this is what the apostle is talking about. He's talking about. We still have service. We still have offerings. We still have sacrifice. But it is the sacrifice and offering. And the service. Of gratitude. It's not offerings for sin. It's not offerings to be right with God. It's not offerings in order to be saved. And have atonement made for us. No. All of that has been done by Jesus Christ. And now our sacrifices are of praise. And service of gratefulness. The most important expression of all in this verse is that at the very start. By him. Do you see how Paul is Christ-centered? How Christ is his everything? By him. No one else. Everything else is behind our back. By him. Him alone. Christ. He's our altar. By him. He's our mediator. To God. By him. He's our great high priest. Now. Who brings us into the presence of God. By him. He's the one who's bringing us to this city that has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. By him, the one way to God. By him. We must always be Christ-centered, brethren and sisters. We should always make much of the Lord Jesus. We can never forget him. We can never pray. We can never serve God. We can never do anything before the Lord. But that is all offered through him, for Christ, by Christ, to Christ, unto his glory, and especially through him. He is very important to us. Through him, Paul said to the Ephesians, we all have access by one spirit unto the Father. So by him, let us therefore 
therefore. He's died. By him, therefore. He is the one who suffered outside the gate. He is the one who shed that blood that atones for sin. By him, therefore. He is the one who's called us out of the city, out of the world, out of sin, out of the camp. Who has called us away from that which was merely shadow and substance to the reality himself. By him, therefore. You don't need to go back to Judaism. You don't need to go back to the temple. You don't need to go back to the offerings. You Jews, you aren't missing anything. Because we have him. By him. The substance. The reality. And no more the shadow. So you haven't lost out. By leaving the camp. You haven't lost out by putting that all behind you. Everything you need is in him. All the access to God. Through him. Everything. This new city that we're going to. It's by him. It's through him. So we have to be Christ centered. We must never appear to be a kind of a Jewish synagogue. All law. All morality. All standards. As it were. And Christ is a kind of in the background. No. He's the very preeminent one. Always in the center. Let us always be Christ centered. Let us therefore unto him. Now thinking about leaving the camp, we're leaving of course the priesthood of Judaism. There's been a change of priesthood. Christ is our high priest now and he's done something wonderful in the New Testament. He's made us all priests. You see in the Old Testament it was just one tribe could be belong to the priestly order. But now in Jesus Christ we can all offer we can all be priests. Now, Paul doesn't mention the, the, the priesthood of believers, but he implies it when he says, let us offer sacrifices. That's priestly work to do that. And so he's implying, we're all priests now. We all can offer. This word, let us, let us offer, this, this suggests to lift up, to raise up. And what did the priests do? They lifted it up. They brought it up onto the altar. Christ is our altar. We go unto him and let us offer. And so we can, we can go to Christ and we can lift up our offerings unto him. So we can do this kind of priestly work. Remember Peter said in his first epistle. Ye as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. And holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God. And again, you see how Peter emphasizes, by him, by Jesus Christ. We're priests now, we're a, we're a priesthood of all believers, and we can offer, indeed let us offer, let us carry out our function, let us be offering these sacrifices and making these sacrifices to God. Lift them up by him, by Jesus Christ, Peter says. And we'll see what these sacrifices are in a moment. You'll notice that they're bloodless. And there's no death, there's no killing, there's no atoning in them, there's no dealing with sin by them. And they're not for sin, but they're thanksgiving, holy thanksgiving. They're gratitude sacrifices. They're service, not for salvation, but an appreciation of salvation. So there's a difference. They are called sacrifices still, though. Why are they called sacrifices? Why does Paul not just say works? 
Why does he not just say, let's pray? Prayers are sacrifices. But he takes this word sacrifices to cover all of that service. Why? What is there about the word sacrifice that he applies it to all these things that we are to do in the service of God now? I think, first of all, that everything is Godward. Prayers or intercessions or even anything that we do for a fellow man, we're doing it unto the Lord. Service to Godward. Sacrifices were always Godward. Our Christian sacrifices are, although they're manward too, but even when they're manward, they're preeminently for God. They're Godward. They're for the glory of God. And so he calls them sacrifices because they're not just merely works, but they are works for the glory of God. Godward. So that's why he calls them sacrifices. And then another reason why he calls them sacrifices is they cost. You see, sacrifices cost. I mean, a lamb was a lot to a peasant in Israel. Some couldn't even afford a lamb. They just had to make do with the little birds. Even they cost, the poor. You always felt the cost. It was expensive. There was a sacrifice to you in doing it. That's why Paul calls them sacrifices, because there's a cost to us. There's a cost in time. It takes time. To render these sacrifices. Praise, thanksgiving, these good works, whatever he goes on to talk about, that takes time. And sometimes it even takes expense, it takes money sometimes. It takes effort, it takes you to go out of your way. And so it eats into your pocket, or it eats into your time, or it eats into your leisure and your pleasure, it eats into your life, it may even eat into your home, because it's the service of God. And it's a sacrifice. We have to sacrifice to pray, to intercede, to give. And then another reason that they're called sacrifices is because the the apostle is telling us God delights in them. The sacrifices of God pleased him, the broken heart, whatever they were. It wasn't just the material offerings. They they are pictured as pleasing God, a sweet-smelling savour, and our sacrifices, and we'll we'll mention what they are in a minute. Please God. In fact, Paul, Paul says it there, doesn't he, in verse 16, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Well pleased. That's why he calls them sacrifices. They delight him. They're sweet savour to him. They're sweetness to him. He appreciates them. He values them. But then also, they're continual. That was the thing about the sacrifices in the camp, in the tabernacle, and in the temple. Every day, constantly. Every morning and every evening, there was a morning and the evening sacrifice continual. In fact, Paul even uses the word continual, doesn't he? The sacrifice of praise to God continually. As if he has in mind the the sacrifices going on and on and on. Just because the camp's behind our back and we've left the tabernacle now and left the temple and we don't have anything to do with the sacrifices of blood on a continual basis, that doesn't mean that we have not the continual sacrificing to do. So this constantness in them all. Now Christ's sacrifice is a once for all offering. 
but not ours. No. You can never say it is finished when it comes to our offerings. You can never say, that's the last offering. That's the once for all offering. That's done now. I can sit. I can rest. I don't have to serve God anymore. We can never say that. It's a never once for all sacrifice for Christians daily, constantly, continuous. The daily grind of service every day, every hour. The sacrifices that Paul mentions are not new. It's not that these sacrifices weren't done in the Old Testament. The sacrifices, prayer and praise, and doing good. They're lip-racking sacrifices even in the Old Testament too. And there are, are many passages that, that show that. For example, Psalm 50. God is talking in verse 8 about the sacrifices of the burnt offerings. Continually before me. And then he says, I'll take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy fools, nor my, every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. The Lord is talking here about his sacrifices, his offerings, the beasts. I know all the fowls of the mountains. It's not all about that. The wild beasts of the field, they're all mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. I don't need the beasts. I don't need the blood for food and drink. Verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving. You see, even the Old Testament saints knew about this. Offer. Even those who weren't priests in the Old Testament. They could be priests in this sense. That they could offer spiritual sacrifices. Offer unto God thanksgiving. Everybody could do that. Verse 23. Whoso offereth. See that word again? Offereth. And just the priests that do the offerings. They do with the beasts. Picturing the once for all sacrifice. But all these spiritual sacrifices, they went on in the Old Testament just as they go on in the New Testament. There's, there's no difference. There was, in a sense, a universal priesthood even in the Old Testament too, because all the true believers, they could offer praise, they could offer the spiritual sacrifices. The next psalm as well, Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17. Thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. You see the material offerings? They're not the major thing. They're just shadows. They're just picturing the once for all. What, what, what's the major thing? Verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. These, these spiritual offerings. This brokenness. This offering unto God. Repentance and praise. These things from the heart. The offerings of the heart. So Old Testament saints weren't strangers to it. But now in the New Testament, of course, we have even more greater responsibility and obligation to carry them out. Because we have the once for all sacrifice now. We have Christ. We go out to him now. We've got the reality. We're in the presence of Christ. We can go right into the throne room of God through Jesus Christ. And there's, there's a greater responsibility on us to be offering up these sacrifices even beyond the Old Testament saints. These psalms are becoming out of us in an even greater measure than they came out of the Old Testament saints because we're going on to him. Not just a tabernacle in the camp singing our wee psalms. Now we're going out to him with the psalms on our lips, the fruit of our lips. 
We far more light, and we, we should therefore have far more appreciation through Christ. And we should be able to sing these psalms with far greater understanding than ever an Old Testament Jew did. And the psalms are still relevant, you know, still the hymn book of the church, the fruit of our lips. Well, what are these sacrifices? Verses 15 and 16, where the word sacrifice occurs. But I think the sense continues also in verses 17 and 18, although the word sacrifice doesn't occur. But I think Paul is carrying on the sense that this is something that we should be doing in our appreciation to Christ and what he's done for us. These verses that follow 15 through to 19. And we can divide them into four. It's all part of the same service of Christ. It's all part of our offering toward the Lord. It's all part of our gratitude and our thanksgiving for such a Savior who has given us the eternal reward of heaven. And the first, of course, is praise. Praise always leads the way. Verse 15, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise. Praise is a sacrifice. Praise takes time. Praise costs us. Praise means that we have to meditate and reflect on the goodness of God and and burn the fire of meditation and get the heart going and get the heat and the fire going and then offering to him praise and worship. That takes time. There's a cost in that. Making this incense, crushing this, this aroma to offer it unto the Lord. Our gratitude, our thanksgiving. So the first is praise. Praise to God. He emphasizes that. Praise to God. And then he says, continually, every day, constantly, be filled with gratitude to him. Be filled with thankfulness to him. So this is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for salvation especially. Thanksgiving for that Christ that we go out on to and embrace. Thanksgiving for the access through him unto God our Father. Thanksgiving for the the new city that he has promised us and to which we're going. Thanksgiving that he's called us out of the camp. Called us out of the world by his grace. Just because you come out of the camp doesn't mean you're sad. Just because you've left the world and left the camp and it's behind your back and you're carrying all this reproach Onto him bearing the reproach. That doesn't mean you're sad. That doesn't mean you're depressed. It doesn't mean, well, I'll, I'll murmur now and I'll complain and I'll moan and groan because it's so hard being a Christian and it's all this reproach. No, that, that's not the way the Lord wants us to be. If you go forth unto him, it's a joyful thing. Praise. Not murmuring, not complaining. The psalmist said, I'll offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now this praise is defined and explained for us. Of course it has to come out of a a heart of gratitude. But it is defined for us very especially and very particularly because he says, that is, in other words, I'm explaining what I mean by praise. That is, and they're his own words, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. To his name. What is praise? Paul says, The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So, praise is something that comes out of mouth gate. Lips. In other words, 
left open. Top lip, bottom lip, out of the lips are moving, and the praise is coming out. Verbally coming out. The fruit of our lips, things hanging out of our lips, pouring out of our lips, the offering of our lips. The, the picture is of a mouth with pomegranates and apples and olives, like a fruit offering. Unto God. It's colourful. It's productive. It's it's living. It's radiant. It's not the opposite. What's the opposite of fruit? A curse. The opposite of blessing? A curse. The opposite of fruit? Thorns, thistles, briars, stinging nettles, weeds. The child of God ought not to have a mouth like that. Thorns and briars. Cutting people, hurting people, moaning and groaning and complaining. Nothing of blessing, nothing of radiance, nothing of fruitfulness, nothing of grace. But everything of the curse, of complaining, of darkness, of moaning, like, like the devil. No, the child of God is to offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips. The lips. We're to speak as a happy people. A joyful people, giving thanks. Yes, giving thanks to his name, his name alone. Now, the thanksgiving here, this verb, thanksgiving, if you have a margin, you'll see it, it actually is confessing to his name. This is not the confession of sins. The fruit of our lips, confessing to his name. This is not the confession of sin. Though we should do that too, of course. But this is confessing to his name. Well, how do you do that? Well, if you're filled with praise and you're, you're so happy in Jesus Christ, your Redeemer, and you're by him, and you couldn't but be happy but being by him, then what happens is you begin to discover what God is like. And you confess to his name. Lord, you're so good. I confess you're so good. Or, Lord, you're so merciful. I confess to your mercifulness. Or, you're so generous. I confess to your generosity. To your kindness. Or maybe patience. We realize how patient the Lord is. Lord, I confess to your long-suffering. Your adorable patience. That's the fruit of our lips. Now where do we get this fruit of our lips? Obviously you need words, don't you? Colourful words. Bright words. We're not poetic. It would be nice if we were all poetic. And we could form poetic prayers. And say poetic things to God. But we can't. But you see, God has given us the Psalms. And the Psalms are the fruit of godly lips. Even of the man after God's heart. So by praise is, is meant prayer or thanksgiving. And it's good to give thanks in the words of scripture. That teaches us how to do that. The right words. And also praise is singing. It's, it's singing to God. The hymns and the Psalms. 
and to him, offering these on to him. This is an Old Testament expression, by the way, the fruit of the lips. The Lord said, I create the fruit of the lips. Where have you done that, Lord? The Psalms. The Psalms. I create the fruit of the lips. I give you the words. The words that please me. If they're channeled through a warm heart. The fruit of the lips. Or the calves of the lips, as is called in, in another prophecy. The offerings at mouth gate. This is prayer and thanksgiving praise with psalms and hymns and prayers based on the word of God. So we can't do any better really than learn to give thanks in the words of those who knew God and truly loved him. So this business of praise, but not only praise, you'll notice manward service too, verse 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. Now this is not so much Godward, although it is Godward, it's for God, it's a sacrifice, but you'll notice that it's, it's doing good to others. It's good works, and it's communicating to others. So it's not only prayer and praise, but there are other kinds of sacrifices as well. Notice this in the plural, sacrifices. The praise is a kind of a one sacrifice. We come together, we praise God. It's one praise. We're all singing out of the same hymn sheet, as it were. Sacrifice, fruit of the lips. But when it comes to good works and, and sharing and helping others, that goes off in every kind of direction. That's in the plural then. Sacrifices. Helping others. Participating with others. And of course this can be congregational as well. This word communicate is the word fellowship. Participate. They continued in the apostles. Fellowship. It's the same word. Participation. Communication. We have that when we come together. Whenever we come together we should be happy with each other. And we should be joyful in each other's company. And we should be kindly to each other. Good to each other. Genuinely good. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to give handouts to everybody. But, you know, just in your heart, generally good. Just, just feeling kind. You know what I mean. I'm not able to maybe paint it the way I would like. But this, this generous spirit, this big heart that we should have when we come to the fellowship among ourselves, and also towards others as well outside there, doing good. This is good works, kind deeds, being liberal to others, benefiting others, temporal needs, yes, and also with their spiritual needs. And this really delights God whenever we have this one-mindedness and participation with kind hearts towards one another. It pleases God. Well pleases him, it says here. But then there are other sacrifices, and I include verses 17 through to 18, though I'll not be very long on them. There is this sacrifice extends also to submission, to the word of God, to the faithful ministry of the word. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. Now, the preachers won't say, 
submit yourself to me. The session will never say, submit yourself to us. But the session will always say, flock, you have to submit yourselves to God. You have to obey the Lord. You have to trust in the Lord. You have to follow the Lord. And, and that's what they're teaching. Obedience to God and submission to God. And they watch for that and they pray about that and they teach you about that. And God says, whenever they're doing that, you submit to them. It doesn't mean that they become dictators and aristocrats and you know, walk all over you. No, it means if they're kind of people who are lording over you, you'll know it. But if they're teaching you the word of God genuinely, with the concern that you obey God, then, then submit to the word that they bring. And that's what it means by submitting to them. Obey his word. Suffer the word exhortation, as he goes on to say later on. These rulers are, are, are to act as shepherds. And it's to be their sacrifice to act as shepherds. And it's to be their sacrifice to watch over you and to bring the word of God to you. And it's to be your sacrifice to submit to that and to obey that. So, praise to God being kind and good works, submission to the word of God and the ministry of the word is part of your sacrifice to God. You're doing it not because of a man, but you're doing it because of Christ. To him. Through him and for his sake. And then there's intercession as well, isn't there? Verse 18. Pray for us. Here's another sacrifice. The sacrifice of intercession. God's well pleased with that as well. Praying for one another. Praying for the ministry of the word. Praying for souls. Let us. Let us praise. Let us do good. Let us obey them that rule over us and submit. And let us pray for others. Give time to intercession by Him. Everything for Christ's sake and for Christ's glory.